This is a Baby Brunch podcast. Welcome back, the best doula in the country. It's Nicolette. Yeah. Thanks, Solana. This podcast is supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. The range of Epimax Baby and Junior gentle all-purpose emollient moisturizers is an all-day, everyday favorite for babies and children. Give your child a good start to every day by nourishing and protecting their skin with Epimax. Skin to skin has been a topic that has come up before in our previous podcasts. I've just had a cesarean. I want to hold my baby. With my first baby, I was allowed to have skin to skin. They gave me the baby immediately. It was a well baby. With my second baby, they gave me the baby. And then they said, I heard someone say, baby's turning gray. And they took her from me and I only saw her the next day. When is skin to skin post-birth allowed? Is it a hospital thing? Do I ask for it? Um, Ilana, it is something that we do discuss with moms prenatally, and we do suggest that they actually put it on their birthing plan um, because it is different depending on the hospital you're at, depending on the type of birth that you have. But in an ideal world, you would want your baby to be skin to skin immediately because it's the place that that is the most comforting for baby because it's the most like where it's been for the past nine months. I uh, remember having my baby, she was prem, and um, I got to hold her and when she turned gray, they took her. And when they whisked her off without explaining why, other than, mommy, I think baby's going to need some TLC. I remember saying to my husband, go with them, go with them. Is, is that a thing? Do we want partner to go with baby out of fear that they will swap her around? I don't know. There's crazy <laughs> things that go through your head at that stage, right? So do, yeah. do I send my spouse partner husband with them or is it okay for them to take unwell baby to take care of her? We usually do send the dads with the with the baby. Um, there are a number of reasons. I don't think you need to worry about your baby being swapped with another baby. I think that's quite an old fashioned an, an old fashioned thing, but I think people do still think it. Um, but yeah, we do tend tend to send dad with baby. And um, you might remember from our previous podcast that that's why I'm a doula because um, the mom does get left alone in theatre then, and it's a time when she could really do with some company. You're gonna make me pour my eyes out. I want to cry so hard because that is what, that's what doulas do, right? And even if we have a cesarean, please opt for a doula to just be there with you because dad leaves and uh, because medical personnel want to take care of you, right? They stitch you and they'll talk to you, but you kind of want a companion there, right? To be there with you. So so that's just my bit of advice that I'm adding in there. When, when, does the, when does the first feed happen? I can't remember when they gave me my baby for the first time to feed. So now you have the baby. When the baby doesn't always cry, they, they've just been born. When, when do I give the first feed? Okay, so if you are allowed to do skin to skin immediately, your baby is a very clever little being and it will actually start giving you signs um, that it is hungry. And we call those signs rooting. Um, It does a couple of things. One of the things it does is it starts sticking its tongue in and out of its mouth. And the other thing that it does is it turns its head towards the mother's breast. Um, and those are two of the signs that you can look for. Um, you shouldn't really wait until your baby's crying because that's actually too late. A baby will really struggle to latch while it is crying. You need to actually learn to recognize those cues so that you can actually latch them before they do start crying. But yes, your baby will let you know, and, and it's a very gentle process. 
do you do you ask for help immediately or you know at that time when you're holding baby remember baby has now been in your tummy for so long <laughs> you're holding baby for the first time and do you do you immediately ask for advice or permission or can you just go ahead and try it yourself um so again it does differ from hospital to hospital if i'm with a mom what i will do is i will position baby so that if it does want to feed it can get there um, but also not to force it because there are some trains of thought or, or some um, theories that say that a baby actually needs to go through a whole lot of physiological phases before it can feed. And one of those is actually sleep. So you need to have baby comfortable and warm against your chest, skin to skin. But I put the baby so that it can automatically feed by itself. There's actually a thing that your um, listeners should go and look up. It's called the breast crawl. It's absolutely amazing. It's about how babies will actually get to your breast and feed by themselves without any assistance. Where were you, Nicolette? <laughs> Definitely worth looking at. Okay. Then I think the one thing that most of us are avoiding to speak about, Mm. the period after giving birth, whether you've had a natural birth or a cesarean, there's a reason we call those pads surfboards. They are massive. And yes, everyone tells them to you to pack them into the prep bag before you even arrive at the hospital. But just give me the short of it. Bleeding after giving birth, that pad. Yeah. Okay, where, do so, I, where and how? And also, when when you've had a cesarean, you, you your lower body can't move. Yeah, yeah. That was actually something that you pointed out to me, and I've been thinking about that quite a lot. Um, so let's talk natural birth. Um, you are going to bleed. Uh, you know, we always prepare moms for how much blood there is during labor and birth, but there's also a lot of blood afterwards. Up to six weeks, bleeding is quite normal, but obviously it starts heavy and it becomes lighter and lighter and lighter. I always have a little internal giggle because the moms talk about how big those pads are. What they don't know is that you wear two of them at the same time um, because that's how much you bleed initially. So along with that, I always recommend that the moms don't even bother putting on pajama pants because they are just going to end up with blood on them. Um, and yes, you're right. If you've had a Caesar, your mobility is a little bit limited and you will have a nurse coming in and pulling the blankets away and checking your pads for bleeding and seeing if they need to be changed. So yeah, like you said, that is something that moms should be aware of. I remember only reading the natural birth part of the book because when mm. you have had your first baby, you don't know, right? And then yeah. I had to have a C-section. And I remember the fright I got the first time when, first of all, I lifted and I realized, oh, somewhere someone has changed my pad without me even noticing because <laughs> your lower body doesn't move, right? Mm. And it's not mm. like they put a panty on for you with it. In some cases, mm. they just put the pad because you, it's not like your legs are going to move. You've just yes. had an epidural. You know, so, okay, so that's one thing to, we told you, we're going to prep you. So it's just one thing to be aware of. Yeah. Moms get the feeling that you are interrupting, that you're disturbing the maternity or the the ward staff or the nurses. Um, How much are we allowed to ask? Can you ring that bell? Okay. The the idea that moms feel like they are disturbing the nurses is really sad to me because they're not disturbing the nurses. When they ring that bell and the nurses come and help them, be it with the nappy change, be it with breastfeeding, be it with 
whatever the mom needs. That is what the nurses are there for. That is why you spend some time in hospital. And um, I always say to moms, you need to use that period in hospital so that when you get home, you actually know what to do and how to do it. So we recommend that moms really use the nurses a lot on the first day and the first night, and then slowly try to almost wean the assistants away so that by the time they go home, they are feeling a bit more independent. Let's talk... uh... After uh, the next day, you've just had your Caesar or it's the next day you've just given birth. Perhaps you've had stitches done as well because you had a little tear. Um, I remember being very surprised with my cesarean when they did my epidural. um, I couldn't feel at the time, but I saw a male nurse and I was like, what are you doing? And behind the little curtain, he said, I'm putting in your catheter. And he he disappeared again. And I was like, okay, this is too much for me. So. When does the catheter come out? And for moms who've had C-section, when do they actually get up for the first time? And do you just decide to do this on your own? Or do the nurses say, hey, get up, it's time to go. Okay. So before I directly answer your question, I just want to throw in there that um, if you have an epidural during a natural birth, you also have an um a catheter put in, which most moms are unaware of. So it's not only with Caesars that you have the catheter. Um, With a cesarean, they generally keep the catheter in until the next day. So it's about 24 hours. They do that so that you can get up and go to the toilet by yourself before they remove the catheter. So generally, if you have your Caesar on Monday morning, on Tuesday morning, they will remove the catheter and they will help you go and have your first shower. Um, you are obviously going to be a little bit wobbly. You do have a wound that's got stitches in it and um, everything is feeling a little bit strange. They, they are desperate to hear that you have made a wee. Um, so they will be asking you that all the time. It's funny how we've we kind of like become public property <laughs> when mm. we're having a baby. It's like, have you weed yet? Have you weed yet? Um, but yeah, so you do have the catheter in and the catheter will be removed probably within the first 24 hours, a little bit sooner if it is a natural birth that you've had the catheter in because of the epidural. This is not a question that I prepared you for, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So a lot of moms have talked about <laughs> a lot of moms have talked about baby and pressure, right? And how we actually can't go to the loo. And I'm not talking about pee, I'm talking about poo. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, a lot of the time with that first pee, it's so much easier to poo because baby's out. Have you found and experienced that? No, I actually find exactly the opposite. I find that the moms really battle to have that first bowel movement. Right. Um, Especially if they've been a bit constipated during the pregnancy. Mm. Um, They will often ask their gynae to prescribe something um, to assist with it afterwards. But if you think about it, you know, especially during a Caesar, they move all your internal organs around while they're doing the operation and everything's got to settle back into place. And it's, I mean, I can remember it now, 12 years later, how painful that first bowel movement was. And Mm. it's, it's not fun. And I think it's important that moms do know that, that they are made aware of that because it's so sore that you actually think that you're breaking. You think that you're Mm. going to need to go back to hospital. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so, yeah, just the moms do need to be aware of that. It's one of those things we don't really talk about much. Yeah, but then you forget and then you have a second baby. And of a third. course. Of and course. a fourth. <laughs> I've got one client so, who's, going, who's had a seven. <laughs> you see? And yes. she'll have an eighth next year. So, 
what are what are some of the things i mean i'm looking at our notes now and i'm just thinking uh breastfeeding okay so that's something that they're going to i remember there being a chair in my um room when i uh, gave birth do you breastfeed in the bed or do you choose the chair already Okay, so I recommend that once you can get out of bed, that you do practice breastfeeding in the chair because it's very easy to get used to the mechanics of the bed and use the bed to help you position yourself because the back of the bed can lift up and down and your knees can be bent. So you're not going to have that once you get home. So you're almost creating a crutch that you're not going to have once you go home. So I recommend go and sit in the chair. That's the the most likely to have have one like that at home. Um, And... Yes, you know, the whole the whole breastfeeding thing, there are often lovely lactation consultants in the hospital, but you're getting advice from so many different people because you have people leaving on, and then a next shift coming in, leaving and then a next shift coming in. So sometimes we do actually advise clients to seek out a lactation consultant before they, they do have their babies. Um, some of the lactation consultants prefer to do a preventative session And then if you do struggle afterwards, you've got a person on the other end of your phone that you know and that you understand Mm -hmm. their way. Um, Alternatively, it's very important right from the very beginning to find a breastfeeding clinic that's close by because more often than not, there isn't a problem, but moms honestly think that they are having problems all the time with their breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. I remember thinking how natural it would come, you know, to me. I am an African woman who lives under the African sky. Surely yeah. I can hold a baby and she will drink, you know? Yes. So yeah. I remember my first one, it was very hard, but I think the chair and the bed is it's very good advice. Mm. What are some of the extras that that you find as a doula we forgot to pack? I mean, never mind not sticking to the birth plan or forgetting to play the music while you are giving birth and <laughs> all the other things that you had on the on the birth plan. But when baby is actually there and you only have your husband or partner to run around, you are in hospital with baby. And if you've had an epidural stuck in bed, what are mm-hmm. some of the extras that we can pack or have with us so that we don't feel stuck? Okay, so one of the things is lots and lots of those very sexy mesh panties, um, disposable mesh panties, because that is what keeps those two pads in place and makes it less likely that you are going to bleed all over. Um, There are paper ones now. They don't do the job. Get the mesh ones and get lots of them. Then um, I recommend this for the birth already, but definitely for the immediate stage after the birth, a bottle with a, like a suction cap, like a squeegee lid, a, a pump bottle, that sort of thing, so that you can get the water close to you, that if it falls over, it's not going to leak everywhere, and so that it's easy to drink as opposed to a glass that you've got to pick up and, and position. Am I with you? So like a sports bottle? Yes, a sports That's bottle. That's a great That's idea. Yeah. So that you can drink the whole time while you are breastfeeding. Okay, I get it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Um, great, because you'll you'll always find that the glass is just too far away on that that bedside yeah. table for you to reach, and it is. You do get very thirsty when you are breastfeeding. Um, and then I do recommend that moms consider taking an extra um, little a light of sorts, like a bedside lamp. A lamp. Because, um, 
Yes. Unfortunately, the hospital lighting, you've got your big fluorescent lights, which you don't want on. And then there are a couple of down lights, but the down lights are positioned directly over the bed. And it literally shines into the baby's face when you are trying to breastfeed. So either go and sit in the chair and like find a dark corner, or if you can have a lamp, so in the middle of the night, you can just switch it on. Um, next to you a lot of people actually take their their salt lamps people people feel very strongly about those um, Himalayan salt lamps and the vibes that they give off so a lot of people actually just pack that in Nicolette I don't have a salt lamp I've never owned (laughs) (laughs) but but I will be sure to get my salt lamp for my third baby please God if I have one it the, doesn't the have to be one of those. It can, it can be, it can honestly be any kind of lamp. <laughs> I love the lamp idea. That's a that's yeah. a great. Um, what about visitors? I mean, I had people knocking. I think I've told the story a hundred times. If you've listened to any of our podcasts, you'll you'll remember me complaining about how there was a knock on the door every five minutes. Then it was the yeah. person doing hearing tests. Then I had some guy ultrasound my nipples at some stage I mean he's yeah. probably laughing in his sleep at the moment haha <laughs> I ultrasound Ilana's nipples and it didn't work so I mean do we how do you do you limit visitors um okay so just quickly laser on your breasts can really be handy in in terms of pain management because some moms do struggle a little bit with pain and that is oh. something that you should definitely have done <laughs> in hospital before you leave um so if you are unaware of that or if it's not offered to you you can ask for it um but yes visitors you know it's the one thing that i've liked about covid is that visitors have been kept out because, you know, everybody is so well-meaning, but I've walked into rooms for a quick postnatal visit and there's been auntie and mom and great-grandmother and everybody has their own advice and frowning at their own things and then the mom feels self-conscious to feed and that's really not the time for for that sort of feeling. The mom should be able to sit in her room naked, baby skin to skin, feed baby when she needs to, not when she doesn't. And um, yes, you are also allowed to ask them to put a do not disturb sign on the door. Um, It can be very, very disruptive that you end up with so many different people coming in. And a lot of them have to come in. They do need your food preferences and they do need to clean the bins. That's their job. But they, they do actually have a couple of do not disturb signs. So you could put one of those on the door, ask them to give you three hours and and have some sleep during that time. Possibly let baby do skin to skin on dad for that time because moms tend not to sleep for the first 24 hours and and Mm. it causes so many problems. Sleep is so important and um, the moms end up going home a bit like zombies. Yeah, because they haven't slept. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you this as well because obviously with mine it was different and everyone's story is different, but um, with my first one, I was allowed to keep her in my room. And then obviously with my second one, because she was um, prem, she was not in my room. How do you decide, can can you ask them to take the baby for a while so that she can sleep? Um, so the more modern way is that baby should room in with you all the time. Right. Because when you have baby taken away to the nursery, again, it creates a crutch that you're not going to have when you mm. leave hospital. Right. Um, so a lot of doctors are recommending permanent rooming in. Um, 
if you are dead tired and you do feel like you need to sleep before you go home, the nurses will look after your baby for you for a couple of hours. They will let you do a feed. Often when I arrive on the labor ward, the nurses will be sitting holding little babies. I'm always so jealous. <laughs> and they will literally just be holding a baby in between two feeds so that mom can get a little bit of sleep. Um, so it is possible, but we don't do the whole keeping baby in the nursery anymore. Unless, of course, if you do have an unwell baby or a premature baby that needs to be in a NICU. What's the one thing that when moms leave the hospital with car seat, that whole romantic walk in as two and walk out as three and into the world and you go, ah, the sun is so bright. I haven't been outdoors for four days. And yeah. we we practice how to strap in the car seat, but then you're fighting with your spouse because you're doing it the wrong way, the other way. She's not strapped in properly and there's a lot of nerves and maybe some excitement as well. What's the one yeah. thing that that you as a doula have experienced that people forget or don't do when they leave the hospital? Um, so I'm not really there when they leave the hospital. So it's an interesting question. Um, but there's a lot going on the morning that the mom is discharged with her baby. She has to be seen by her gynecologist. The baby has to be seen by the pediatrician. They usually do vaccinations and, and all the admin. And um, the one thing for me that often does get lost is that moms need to have baby weighed about a week after they leave the hospital because having baby weighed is the only um, true measurement of how successful your breastfeeding is. I mean, there are loads of other signs and we can see whether a baby is thriving or not, but we do need to keep an eye on baby's weight. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a clinic that you go to. There are private nurses that will come to your home. Um, there are lactation consultants that can do it for you. Then there are breastfeeding clinics. Um, some of the chain stores, I'm not going to mention any names. They also have little clinic sisters. Your local chemist might have one. Um, lots of different people that can do it. But I have had moms who didn't know that their baby needs to be weighed. Oh, um, and in fact, your baby will be weighed once a week um, mm. just to make sure that they are um, on, on track in terms of their um, weight development. I'm immediately thinking of mom again and, and babies taking care of and babies picking up weight. What about wound care? You've gotten stitches because you were tearing at birth or um, you've got uh, your cesarean cut and doctor told you when to come back and you've now forgotten already. Do you have yeah. any advice on, on wound care and how to take care of stitches and even that nice big micropore plaster that's <laughs> over your over your stomach? God forbid they left like two hairs there. While they, you often, were they often stick one of those maternity pads onto it just for a bit of padding. It's another <laughs> use for those maternity pads. Um, Ilana, it's not really my, my field, this, uh, as a right. doula, but what I will say is listen to them when they tell you about six baths. Um, look into having a, a spray alongside your six baths, so basically a salt water spray to douche yourself with every time you go to the toilet. If you've had an episiotomy or a tear and you've got um, perineal stitches, get yourself a donut cushion. Um, so one of those round cushions with a hole in it because I'll go and visit moms and they'll be sitting on their foot to try and lift their perineum off the chair and it's very, very uncomfortable to try uh. and breastfeed when you're that uncomfortable. So those um, donut cushions are traditionally used for hemorrhoids. Um, we, we also do use them for moms that have had stitches. 
And then your wound care for your cesarean, it does depend completely on your doctor. It depends on whether they've used staples, whether they've used stitches, whether they've used, um, I think they can even use dissolving stitches. But like I said, that you will need to ask the nurses at discharge. And you will also have a six-week checkup with your gynae. Um, and, you know, they should really inform you if anything needs to happen before that time. Um, I know some doctors even like to see the mom sooner than that, but that they will sort out with you when you're in hospital. Woman to woman, right? Because you're a mom and you're a doula. And I remember one of my, she wasn't even a, a friend of mine. She was just um, another lady who worked in media. She reached out to me uh, about a week after I had my baby. And she said, do you, do you need anything? Do you have the resource list? And I was like, the what? You know, yeah. and she started saying things like, if you're feeling tired, have this. If you, if you, if you, and, and she started feeding me information that was really useful, useful. Yes. Um, it, it was youthful as well. It made me <laughs> feel a lot younger. But um, Janine Habana, if it wasn't for you, I would have struggled oh. even more. It was her. She just yes. she just reached out out of nowhere and it was so helpful. And so as, as a doula and as a mom and as someone who, do you have like a resource list that we can quickly go and Google that's not just the doctor and your tummy down the road? Um, resources in terms of people that you can go and see, I do. Yeah. I will just okay. quickly read that to you. Thank um, you. I'll yeah, make notes. So, so I think where this came from was the fact that when moms are discharged, they are they basically think that their entire support network is the obstetrician and the pediatrician. And often you need someone more quickly than that, or you need somebody that's more accessible than that. So resources would include postnatal doulas. So initially your doula, but then yeah. you also do your birth doula, but then you also do get postnatal doulas. Um, wonderful people who will actually come and help you, help you set up your home. If you want to go and have a shower, they will look after your baby. They will do whatever you want to make your life in those first couple of days a little bit easier. Then night nurses. Um, one of the medical aides actually offers home nurse consultations. You've got your lactation consultants. You've got breastfeeding clinics. You've got Lalesh League. Um, you've got WhatsApp support groups. There are so many of those and they're so valuable. Um, Cairo. If baby's been born by a Caesar, I actually recommend a chiro session or an osteopathy session. So a session with an osteopath or with a chiropractor. How soon? Baby. Um, in the first week. Okay. Because there's a lot of um, alignment that happens. During we do forget about our GPs. GPs are a fantastic resource. You don't always have to go to your um, gynecologist or your um, pediatrician. A, a GP can often help your baby. If it's got a snotty nose, your GP will be able to help you. Um, then you've got your homeopathic doctors. If you want to try something a little bit more gentle before you go allopathic, you've got your functional med medicine doctors. Um, they're the ones that kind of do holistic treatments. Um, then ready meal suppliers. <laughs> you should have lists and lists of ready meal suppliers. And also, if people say to you, what can I do for you? You say to them, Bring me yes. a meal. Spaghetti <laughs> and, bolognese. And not a meal that you're going to sit and share with me, a meal that you're going to leave at my house. <laughs> so and then you go home. <laughs> and you eat your own, exactly. <laughs> um, there's a lovely little list that goes around Facebook every now and then about um, the perfect postnatal visitor. 
and it's somebody, they come into your home, um, they don't ask to hold your baby, they bring you a meal that is in a container that doesn't need to be returned, mm-hmm. um, they then go into your bathroom and they neaten it up and they make the towel straight, they go into your kitchen and they do your dishes, give you a kiss on your forehead and they go home. (laughs) And that is the ideal postnatal visitor because everybody comes in and they want to hug and kiss the baby and you you mustn't have other people touching your baby. That's not right, especially not nowadays with all the things Mm -hmm. that we've got going on in this world. So yeah, that's people that are listening can make a note of that. But ready meals, ready meals, there are so many, you know, especially with COVID, there are so many companies that make their living like this. They make nutritious meals and they have gluten-free options and they have vegetarian options and if you can get some of those sent in for you it'll make your life so much easier because you are feeding your child every two hours sometimes you don't have time to cook for your husband and sometimes your other children okay um and then what else do I have on this list oh find out where your closest 24-hour pharmacy is because babies it's sick at night <laughs> and yeah. you need, everyone's healthy uh, in the day exactly mm. you need suppositories or you need um baby neurofin and stuff like that obviously when they're a little bit older in the middle of the night so we all need to know where our 24-hour pharmacy is and then also just um so that you know also that the moms out there know babies also traditionally become sick on a Friday afternoon when you can't get hold of a pediatrician or sometimes not even a GP. What you do in that instance is if it's serious enough, you go to the ER, you go to your your closest hospital's ER, and they will help you and help you decide whether they need to call in a pediatrician or whether it's just something that, that they can help you with. Because sometimes moms just need a a bit of reassurance and and then they can be sent home again. Um, yeah, so so that was my list of, of resources that we don't really think about. Um, you know, when I was writing this list, I realized I don't even tell my doula clients this and I should. It should be in an email that I send them. So I You should show the them phone. this video when you see it. <laughs> I will, I will. <laughs> they, they are on the other end of the phone. So if they phone me and they say, what must I do now? Because mm. I'm happy to field calls at two o'clock in the morning after baby's born, because that's when you need the help. Yeah. And, and it's quite sweet. I often get long messages from moms at three, four o'clock in the morning. And I know it's because they're breastfeeding and mm. they're sitting all alone and they want to themselves. Bit yeah. So they send me messages, um, which is, which is very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Your your role in life and your job is is a calling and you give a lot of reassurance to a lot of people. And I want to thank you for your time because honestly, this is knowledge and experience that because you're a good person, you're willing to share with so many people and Mm. you have no idea how much this means to me and to every, every mom. And you know what's interesting? Half of the stuff I didn't do, right? And my baby is now four. But just the fact that we can talk about it and give it to someone else makes me feel so happy. It makes me feel happy that you don't have to make some of the mistakes that I made. You'll make new mistakes, which you'll also find helpful. And then we'll have conversations about it. And then we'll have someone like Nicolette that will help us. So thank you so much for your time. Ilana, before you end, I want, because you told me a story earlier about your baby belly. 
Right. And, and somebody asking you when your baby was due postnatally. I had exactly the same experience. My friend brought her son into the hospital. It was pre-COVID. And I wasn't in the bed. I was standing up and he looked at me and he said to me, when's that baby coming? <laughs> and I was absolutely, I was so sad. But at the same time, you know, children, they, they are very honest. Um, and I just think it is important for the moms to know that you don't leave hospital in your skinny jeans that you wore pre-pregnancy. You, you do have a lot of um, extra skin and fluid and you need to be gentle on yourself. You can't expect yourself to be back like that after a birth and then and then you've also got the breastfeeding to contend with so just expect that I know you said you had a very similar story and it's heart-wrenching it's it's like it literally made me feel so insecure <laughs> now that we're sharing is. yeah I have a I have an even better story than that so the baby's Ooh. already born and she's nine months old <laughs> and I'm being called to do a show away from home. So I'm breastfeeding yeah. a baby and for two days I'm on set somewhere completely different. Yeah. And my show producer said, pregnant again. <laughs> and I said, no, no, the baby's nine months old. And you're right. We should be gentle. Yeah. There is we should never be gentle with ourselves. To ask, there's never a good time to ask a mom if she's pregnant. She will volunteer the information if she is. You never, ever ask someone if they are pregnant. Even if they've got triplets in them and they're nine months, you still don't ask them if they're pregnant. I'm going to print billboards about this, okay? T-shirts. We, don't ask oh. me. <laughs> Thank you. Ilana, it's Thank been lovely for, chatting to you again. I, um, I appreciate you very much. I'll have another pleasure. baby just so that you can be my doula. Well, well, let's. We'll definitely do another podcast about something because I do enjoy these chats with you. As nervous as what I you, am beforehand, you must and come back and do. <laughs> this podcast was supported by Epimax Baby and Junior. Epimax Baby and Junior is dermatologist approved, free of artificial colorants and fragrances, and is safe to use from birth. Touch, nourish, love your child's skin with Epimax Baby and Junior. Available from leading pharmacies and retail stores.